Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast, where you can get the latest results, fantasy picks, and news every week in the NASCAR racing world. We just got one more spot left to fill, so let's give it to our host. Here he is, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Hope you guys are doing well this week. Race number 11 is in the books at Dover Motor Speedway. Unfortunately for some of you fans that went to that racetrack, the race got delayed on Sunday, moved to Monday due to rain in the area, and it just never stopped on Sunday. However, they were able to race on Monday, and hopefully you guys were able to stay for that race because it was a pretty exciting race from what I saw. We're going to talk about some of the biggest takeaways overall for the Dry Den 400 as well as the Xfinity Series race, the 10th race of the 2022 season. But first and foremost, let me say this real quickly. The fact that we had that many fans in the grandstands at Dover Motor Speedway for it to look that full was something really good to see for NASCAR fans. I'm super happy that people are coming to the racetrack to watch the races. It has clearly shown that the next-gen car is providing a lot of excitement. Everyone has been making a lot of complaints on what it could be. Could it be the characters in NASCAR? Could it be the coverage in NASCAR? Um, There's a lot of things that play into it, but definitely the change of the car was a big factor to help fans get back into the sport right now. And hopefully these races keep going uh, as exciting as they have been because the last couple of short track races were a little lackluster so for Dover the monster mile to give us a good race thank goodness for that because man the last thing you want to do is have a car with a lot of momentum all of a sudden lose it just because of a couple bad races that happened back to back but without further ado let's dive into the events that happened this week and let's first start off with the X-Fanity Series race this one will be a quick little rundown since it wasn't the most eventful race and also I want to make sure I post this on Monday that's usually when I post the biggest takeaway episodes so let's Let's dive into it. It is time to look at the 10th race of the 2022 season, the A-Game 200 here in the X-Fandy Series. Alrighty, so let's look at a few statistics before we dive into it. We had 39 cars enter into this race, meaning one car had to miss it. Unfortunately for Mike Harmon Racing, the number 47 of Brandon Poole was not able to qualify into this event. He was the only car who did not qualify. We had five cautions for 36 laps out of 200, so most of the race ran under green, just stoppage for some stage conclusions and a couple of spinouts, but nothing too big per se. We had seven lead changes amongst five different drivers. It was a dominant race for one team and the winner of this race was a winner of uh, from last year the number eight of josh barry is back in victory lane for jr motorsports leading 55 out of the total 200 laps he is your winner of the 10th race of the 2022 season finishing second we have the number seven of justin allgaier finishing third was the number 54 of ty gibbs finishing fourth we have the number nine of noah grayson finishing fifth was the number one of sam mayer finishing in the sixth spot we have the number 16 of aj allmendinger in the seventh spot was the number 19 of Brandon Jones. Finishing 8th, we have the rookie, the number 2 of Sheldon Creed. Finishing 9th was the number 98 of Riley Herbst. And rounding out the top 10, we have the number 39 of Ryan Sieg. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 10 that we should mention. Daniel Hemrick in the number 11, finishing 11th, with Landon Castle right behind him in the 12th spot. Austin Hill, the number 21 machine, was able to finish 14th in this race. Moving down the roster a little bit, we have Chandler Smith making a debut here in the Xfinity Series. He finishes 21st overall in that number 26 machine with Myatt 
Snyder right behind him. And the number 31 finishing 22nd. Going down the roster here, we got the number 18 of John Hunter Nemechek. Unfortunately for him, he had brake issues in the first half of the race. Out by lap number 83, he's credited with the 37th position. And round of the field was the number 44 of Raja Karuth for Tommy Joe Martin. Unfortunately, he had an eventful uh, race to say the least and it ended on lap number 58 due to suspension issues. And that's your final results here for the A-Game 200 at Dover Motor Speedway. So first things first, let's say a big congrats to JR Motorsports. This was an absolutely stellar race for this team and it almost represented to me personally Dover last year in the Cup Series with Henrik Motorsports because they absolutely dominated this race. The only driver who was able to lead more laps than at least three of the JR Motorsports guys was Brandon Jones. Other than that, only one lap led by Ty Gibbs. That was it. Those were the only people who led. It was JR Motorsports Machines, Brandon Jones, and one lap by Ty Gibbs. It was an absolutely phenomenal run. For the most part, it looked like Justin Allgaier was going to dominate this race, but Josh Berry was able to find something near the end, be able to compete with that number seven, and get another victory for him, just proving to Dale Earnhardt Jr. that he was the right person to throw full-time into this number eight car. I mean, getting the opportunity last year in this number eight machine, I know at first it was a little rocky, but then he got that win at Martinsville, and I think he got another win later in the season and this year now he locks himself into the playoffs let's see how he does right now obviously that's a little bit of a ways away he's probably going to focus on the regular season try to get a couple more wins but for him to lock himself into the playoffs is definitely huge from being a driver who was given a part-time opportunity to moving full-time with one of the biggest teams the Xfinity series Josh Berry is definitely uh, making a lot out of his opportunity here and great run for Justin Allgaier, just unfortunately for him, he had the second best car on the racetrack, and he finished his second overall. Ty Gibbs was able to separate the one through four finish of JR Motorsports, able to finish third in this race. Just once again, uh, if you're going to win the race, you got to compete against the number 54 Ty Gibbs, no matter what racetrack it's at. So for JR Motorsports to kind of half beat him, they got to be pretty proud about that. And then Sam Mayer wins another stage. I mean, Sam Mayer is proving that if he can get a all around good car, he's going to win quite a few races because he, I think he wins at least one one stage almost every single X-Fandu series race. It's been a really good season for Sam Mayer so far. Yes, the finishes may not be there, but they got the speed. They just need everything to come together, and you'll see that number one machine in victory lane very soon. Other than that, guys, when you look at the final results, it's just a blend of everybody who's going to be running in the playoffs. You got JR Motorsports up here. Then you got Joe Gibbs Racing minus John Hunter Nemechek. Of course, had 18 cars, having multiple drivers drive it. And then you got Colic Racing finishing six. 11th and 12th. In between them, you got one Stuart Haas racing car, the number 98 machine. And then you got Ryan Sieg's team. They've been doing really good. I'm very impressed with Ryan Sieg getting another top 10. And then Richard Childress racing. And then on the outside, finishing 13th, 14th, and 15th. Or excuse me, 13th, 15th, and 16th. You got our motorsports. Wasn't really too much of a mix up here near the front. So basically, the best of the best rose to the top here in this race. And I mean, you see it from the stage finishes. 
the people who finished 1 through 10th in the first stage, all but John Hunter Nemechek was able to finish in the top 9. And then the other people who got stage points that didn't finish in the top 10 were Daniel Hemrick, who finished 11th, and Austin Hill, who finished 14th. It was just, if you were running up front, you were going to be there from the beginning to the end. So not much of a change there throughout the race. So it was kind of a lackluster race in that sense. But JR Motorsports, if you're a JR Motorsports fan, you you had a great time here. Some drivers who did not have a good time in this race, but one was John Hunter Nemechek, like we talked about, unfortunately having those brake issues. And he was running up front. He had a really good car, so that's a big bummer for him. We know when he gets an opportunity here in the Xfinity Series, he makes the most of it. He runs up front almost every single time, whether it's that number 26 machine or the number 18 machine. He will be running up front. Uh, some drivers who struggled, uh, Joe Graff Jr. and David Starr had a pretty rough race here where Joe Graff Jr. finishes 28th and then you have David Starr finishing 35th. Uh, David Starr has been really struggling in that 08 machine. Hopefully he can turn things around because right now it has been really, really rough. Uh, Jeremy Clements unfortunately gets caught up in an incident. He goes five laps down this race. Not really the strong mid-car driver that we're used to seeing out of Jeremy Clements. It seems like things have fallen off for him. He, he's usually guaranteed to be that one driver who can fit into the playoffs, um, being a driver who can compete against the big dogs, but it's not like that right now. You got Ryan Sieg, Brett Moffitt, Anthony Alfredo, Jeb Burton, and I think you can even throw Brandon Brown ahead of him right now for that final spot. And then he's right there with Myatt Snyder, who's been kind of struggling, so definitely a fallback on Jeremy Clements, and this race did not help him out as he finishes 29th overall in this event. Overall, this race was an alright one. I wouldn't say it was the most exciting X-Fandy Series race. X-Fandy Series is used to providing us great races, but we'll move on and just say congratulations to JR Motorsports, and congratulations to Josh Berry on getting another win here for the team. Now let's move on to the big one, the race that was moved on to Monday, the one that we're all talking about. It's the 11th race of the 2022 season. It's time to dive into the Duramax Dryden 400. Alrighty, so in this race, we had a total of 36 cars enter this race. There was only charter cars that competed in this event, no open charter cars, so everyone got to race in this event. We had 13 cautions for 75 laps. It was definitely... Uh, caution field race, even though 400 laps compared to 75 laps is less than 25%. That's still a lot of cautions for it being 13. The lead changes were a lot here for a Dover race with 17 lead changes amongst 10 different drivers. A lot of drivers had an opportunity to win this race, including some drivers who I had no idea was going to be running up front, but man, did they put on a good show. In the end, though, it seems to be NASCAR's most popular driver finally breaks his winless streak of 26 races to get his first win of the 2022 season. Of course, I'm talking about the number nine of Chase Elliott for Henrik Motorsports. Gets a victory here at Dover, his second one here at this racetrack. He is your winner of the 11th race of the 2022 season. Finishing second, we have the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Phenomenal run for him. Finishing third was the number one of Ross Chastain, followed by the number 20 of Christopher Bell. Rounding out the top five was the number 48 of Alex Bowman, followed by the number five of Kyle Larson. Finishing seventh was the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing eighth was the pole sitter, the number 17 of Chris Buescher. In the ninth spot, you have the number four of Kevin Harvick. Rounding out the top 10 was the number 43 of Eric Jones. Finishing 11th was the number 31 of Justin Haley. Finishing 12th was the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. In the 13th spot was the number 14 of Chase Briscoe and 14th was the number 99 of Dan Suarez followed by the number 41 of Cole Custer finishing 15th, 16th was the number 23 of Bubba Wallace and the 17th spot was the number 34 of Michael McDowell, 18th the number 7 of Corey LaJoy, finishing 19th was the number 10 of Eric Gomerola and rounding up the top 20 we have the number 6 
of Brad Keselowski. Some noticeable drivers finished outside the top 20 that we should mention, including the winner of Richmond, the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. He finishes 21st, followed by William Byron, a two-time winner here in the 2022 season. Fortunately, gets caught up with a pin incident, and he finishes 22nd overall in this race. Ryan Blaney has a really rough finish, finishes 26th with his partner, Joey Logano, finishing 29th, and Tyler Reddick right behind him, finishing 30th. And then round out the field near the end, the number two of Austin Sendrick gets some damage in the middle of the race, tried to get it back going, but unfortunately was just not able to meet minimum speed. He finishes 36 overall in this race out by lap number 91. And that's your final results here for the Dryden Duramax 400. So really, really good run for Henrik Motorsports once again, but it felt like these drivers were dropping off left and right. However, Chase Elliott was the only one to stay out of trouble, and for him to get this uh, win was huge because he knew it was definitely affecting him, having all his teammates have a victory, and then there was him, even though he was first in the points. He was first in the points. It wasn't like it was a very bad season for him coming up to this point, but Still, he was just not the guy who could get the win. He could get you a top five, maybe a top ten, but never the win until today. So definitely big weight off of his shoulders. And I will not be surprised if we do see the number nine in victory lane once again here very soon. There's a lot of tracks that do fit up Chase Elliott's alley, including the Coca-Cola 600. I know he wants to win that race really bad. Darlington, he's been really good there in the past. And of course, the road courses, you can never count him out. Things are looking good for Chase Elliott. He just had to jump over that barrier and get his first win of the season. But the biggest shocker, I think out of everyone here in the top five was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Where the hell did this team get this speed? I had no idea, no idea, no clue that he would be even a contender for your fantasy teams, but he scored 41 fantasy points in this race, and it wasn't just like he took a strategy either. He finished fifth in stage number two, and he hung around, hung around the top 10 for the most part of this race. Very good run for JTG Georgetree Racing. Uh, they've been having a really rough season, for so for them to be able to get a top five here in this race, really good run for them. That was an absolute shocker. Ross Chastain able to finish in the top three once again. I mean, he just has such great consistency right now. You want to use him for basically every single racetrack except for those real crazy ones. But even then, Talladega is a crazy one. He was able to win that race. He's just the hottest driver right now in the Cup Series. And it's probably going to stay like that until he shows us otherwise. But he also got someone else hot. And that was the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Martin Trex Jr. finishes 12th in this race. And he should not have finished there. He should have finished in the top five comfortably. But him and Ross Chastain make some contact on the final lap and he gets taken out and he finishes 12th overall. Martin Trax Jr. obviously showed his displeasure on pit road. Didn't lead to anything too severe. I mean, yeah, they had some heated words for each other, but the, there was no pushing or any aggression towards each other at all. It was just a bummer for Martin Trax Jr. to have be that close to a really great finish and for him to finish outside the top 10 and injustice for that number 19 team because they had a really good run in this race. But that just kind of entails all the bad luck that Joe Gibbs Racing had in this event. Because Martin Trex Jr. wasn't the only one who should have finished in the top five. Yes, Christopher Bell was able to get a top five, even though he ran into some problems earlier in the race, able to recover. But Kyle Busch, Kyle Busch was probably the most dominant driver, and you can never count out Kyle Busch on his birthday. He's won on his birthday twice, and he almost did again. 
but unfortunately goes down pit road and someone loses a tire, AJ Allmendinger to be exact, and unfortunately has to start near the rear. Never able to recover back and get the victory. He finishes seventh, but definitely that car should have been in victory lane. He could have been able to get two victories in the last three races, but unfortunately has to settle for only a seventh place finish. And then Martin Trex Jr., we just talked about him, but the one with the most bad luck has been the driver who's had the most bad luck, Denny Hamlin. If anyone was really close to winning this race, it was Denny Hamlin, and then everything fell apart at the end of stage one. He wins stage one, seems to stay on a high note as they go down pit road and have one of the fastest pit stops, and then the tire falls off as he exits pit road. Oh no, that's a four-week suspension for not only his crew chief, but also the tire carrier and the tire changer. It's, it's like, what else could happen to Denny Hamlin this year? This is the equivalent to 2012 Jeff Gordon. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Jeff Gordon had many races where he could have wound up in victory lane or at the very least a top five finish. And he had some of the craziest incidents happen to him throughout that season. It just seemed like whenever he had an opportunity, just bam, just out of nowhere, something happened. A perfect example was Darlington. He was able to run up front and then runs over a piece of debris. Gets the tire changed, able to go back out. It looks like things are going in the right direction. Runs over debris again. Just horrible luck. That's the equivalent to Denny Hamlin right now. How in the world do you win a stage, have such a dominant car, and then have a tire incident like that, be able to recover slightly, and then get taken out by a Rick Rare racing car spinning around. You go on the inside, and then bam, you get taken out. Just no luck at all for Denny Hamlin. And honestly, his speed's there. But for all you fantasy team owners, you just do not want Denny Hamlin on right now. He, he cannot break this bad luck right now. And until he can break the bad luck, he's probably staying off your guys' fantasy roster leagues. Even if he's running up front, he has to prove to us that he can finish because right now he just can't do it. But Joe Gibbs Racing, they were the team to definitely beat. Yeah, Rick Henrik had some very good cars and Kyle Larson also ran into some bad luck spinning out and causing some damage to his car. But at least he was able to recover and finish sixth and actually have a pretty decent run overall. Denny Hamlin could never recover. Uh, he just couldn't. So big bummer for him. Uh, let's go back on a positive note and let's talk about some drivers who did really good that shocked us. Chris Busher gets the pole. Really good run for him. Leads 18 laps and runs around the top 10 for the most part of the race. Great job by him. That was somebody you probably should have kept an eye on uh, in practice and qualifying running up front. He could have been the driver to take a chance on and he showed it. Scored 34 points. Really good run for him. Showing that RFK Racing are just not a restricted plate team. They can have some really good results. Brad Keselowski also had a good run, but again, fell off near the end. Uh, Pit strategies just did not work for him, and he finishes 20th in this race. But RFK Racing, they need some solid runs, and Chris Buescher seemed to have gotten it here with an 8th place finish. And Eric Jones, Eric Jones is proving to be a contender to make it into the playoffs. He's having some really good runs right now. It wasn't just Talladega where he ran up front. This race he did pretty good too. Running around the top 10, finished 7th in stage number 2 and gets a 10th place finish. So good run for him with Justin Haley right behind him. Leading 19 laps and finishing 11th. They ran on pit strategies and it seemed for the most part to work in their favor. Stay on the lead lap for the most part of this race. I don't think he actually went a lap down once in this race. So great run for that number 31 team. Colic Racing needs some good luck. 
They got it in one car, but they didn't get it in another car because AJ Allmendinger also lost a wheel. So expect a four-week suspension coming from that team with their crew chief tire changer and tire carrier. But the team who had the biggest L this weekend, hands down, goes to maybe Richard Childress Racing because they finished 23rd and 30th. It was a bad run for them, but I got to give it to Team Penske. Holy cow, Harrison Byrne was the best finishing car out of that team. Yes, it's an affiliated team, and he finished 24th. Ooh, that's really not that good for that team. I mean, Ryan Blaney, yes, he won stage two, but it was a pit strategy, and that was really the highlight of uh, Team Penske's entire day was just winning that stage because Ryan Blaney finished three laps down, 26. Joey Logano finished four laps down and had basically everything um, happen to him. I think he got taken out by Eric Jones on the straightaway, hits the wall, and then he hit the wall a couple more times. Just no luck at all. He finishes 29th. And then Austin Sindrick, the driver we talked about, he got uh, he got some damage as well in the earlier part of the race. But it was too much damage for him to maintain minimum speed, and he finishes 36th. Just, you don't expect that out of Team Penske. Team Penske is one of the top teams in the sport, and for not having a single one of their cars or even affiliated cars finish in the top 20, that's an honest shocker. I mean, look at this. This is actually an honest statistic. You had at least one driver from each and every team, minus BJ McLeod's team, uh, Live Fast Racing, beat all three cars. Rick Rare Racing had Ryan Priest beat all three Penske cars. Uh, Front Row Motorsports, uh, obviously, Michael McDowell was able to beat all three of them. Spire Motorsports, Corey LaJoy was able to beat all of them. It was just not a good run for this team. And unfortunately, they're just going to have to forget about this one and move on forward because, man, the Monster Mile ate up. Team Penske. As far as the racing went, the racing was really good. There was a little bit of fear there in the early part of the race where we had blistering and cording going on with the tires and basically the tires could not last anywhere past 30 laps. But luckily, rubber was starting to get laid down near the end of the race, so that wasn't really a factor. And it was kind of really cool to see that because you got to see drivers push it in sometimes and sometimes we're being really consistent or just being not maybe consistent. Maybe the word I'm being is more um, uh, reserved with their tires. And that caused a lot of passing to go around the entire racetrack. It wasn't just up front where there was passing. You just had the camera going all around like, oh, here's a pass here. Here's a pass here. Here's a pass here. So the racing was very entertaining here for Dover. And it looked like the tires did not cause any tremendous problems for drivers. I mean... Yeah, we had Ty Dillon have his tire um, start to fall apart. And then um, a couple other drivers where there was some uh, uh, courting going on. But other than that, at least we didn't see a blowout. That's the important thing. Uh, as long as these tires are not blowing out, then they're, they're, they're fine. Now, obviously, you hate to see tires just get chewed up like that. But trust me, it could be a lot worse. If you don't believe me, watch the Brickyard 400 in 2008. Uh, actually, don't watch it. It's such a nightmare, but thank goodness that did not happen here and rubber was able to lay down and the tires did get to stay mostly intact for the most part. And racing, like I said, was really good. Um, there was a lot of passing, a lot of pit strategies, but it didn't all solely rely on pit strategies. I think in the top five, all these guys had at one point different pit strategies, so for them to all finish up front was very cool to see. And I think this is perfect kind of racing to see at these types of racetracks. Uh, nothing too extreme. I mean, there wasn't really 
too much bumping and banging. But like I said, we got to see passing. We got to see multiple drivers have an opportunity to run up front. I mean, yeah, Denny Hamlin lead 67 laps. Justin Haley led 19. Chris Buescher led 18. Kyle Busch led 103. Kyle Larson led 19. Ross Chastain led 86. There was an abundant amount of drivers up front leading laps. And you almost had some shocker of drivers win the race. I think this is a great NASCAR race at a track that you don't usually see this much action. So again, the next-gen cars was able to satisfy a lot of NASCAR fans, even though the race was a little bit later than a lot of people liked, more specifically a day later. We still got a good race. Overall, I give this one a solid 8 out of 10. Maybe not the greatest race of the season, but still a really damn good one and one that a lot of NASCAR fans could be happy that they got to see. will conclude the final results of today's episode guys thank you so much for listening a really good race at dover i think the only down was a few tires fell off but other than that it was a pretty good race there was really not a time where i was sitting there and thinking man this race sucks so thank goodness for that one as far as our nascar field fair league went we had quite a few drivers get 200 plus points to be exact 17 of you guys was able to score 200 plus points here this weekend Awesome job, guys. You guys made some phenomenal picks this weekend. And the winner was Thundergun3 with 235 points. Now, he may have had an advantage on us because he sent me messages saying, look, I'm here at the racetrack because that seems to be his closest racetrack. He loves going to that Dover race. I understand why. He knows the racing, and he scored 235 points. So good job to you, Thundergun3. You are the winner this weekend. Uh, finishing second was Turn Sheen with 230, and then we had Logan Bowling uh, finishing third with 223 points. Good job to everyone who competed and scored 200-plus points to everyone else. Thank you guys so much for joining this league. It's been a lot of fun. Um, there's some people who are keeping some drivers that they need to make changes. Um, I'm seeing people with 25 points. Guys, don't forget to make your changes because you may have used up uh, at least five drivers at this point. So... Uh, keep updating that, but overall, this league has been a lot of fun. And if you do want to join it, it's at fancygames.nascar.com at NASCAR Field Fillers. We have 38 members competing right now, and it's been a lot of fun. The winner of this league will get a 124 diecast made from me. Uh, well, more specifically, the decals will be made from me, and I'll put it on the diecast. Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then also on TikTok and YouTube, as well as Twitter, we're having a very exciting tournament going on here uh, based on NASCAR drivers. We're trying to figure out who the best NASCAR driver is ever according to the fans. We have 64 drivers here and we just started it today. So if you do want to make your picks on some of those matchups here, you can do so at Vanilla Wafers 44 or on Twitter at TylerV33 or even on YouTube, also Vanilla Wafers. I'm keeping track of all those total votes and the winner gets to advance on to the next round. I think for today we had, or Monday, we had Richard Petty go up against Ward Burton. Sorry, Ward Burton, you're probably not going to advance. Jim Pascal versus Joey Logano. That's a pretty close matchup. And then we had Fred Lorenzen versus Tony Stewart. And I think the last one, which is going to be a big one, 
Kyle Larson versus Bill Elliott. There are some really good matchups here, even in the first round. So that's the thing that's going on right now. So make sure to check out those videos and make your pick on who is the better driver. Because the last thing you want to do is see your favorite driver get knocked out when they shouldn't have. Other than that, guys, it's throwback weekend coming up at Darlington. We'll make sure to do our fantasy picks on Friday. uh, Thinking which drivers are going to be the best ones and which drivers you want to sit out on. Uh, I got some few drivers up in mind, but I'll do more research on there. And make sure to tune into that one on Friday or at the very latest Saturday because you want to make the top picks for weekend number 12. But above all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill the last few remaining minutes of your time, so I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road, collect my last place winnings, and I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. 